Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Percussive Maintenance Done by Boom-Headed Shot 7. There is a story of how the Federation truly learned about Brawn. The Terrans, or humans if they prefer to be called, are by no means stupid, most certainly not smart, however. They are delightful to communicate with through translators and have a very interesting past and present within their Federation. Many, many cycles ago, the Federation was formed amongst the peaceful planets, large and small, to create a web of protection and trade that covers the FTL travel taken by us. Our common enemy being the Omina Flesh, that was almost as vast a network of the Federation. They had committed unspeakable evil across the vast expanse of space, and have shown no remorse and no signs of slowing, we fight, we battle, we rage war, and have been successful protecting many of our planets on the solar system, but they have also taken so many from us. They convert the survivors, put our former allies against us, resource ravage planets, and leave it as a husk of a floating despair. What's important to know about my species, as well as every other species that we've come into contact with, including the Omniflesh, is that we all share a similar primordial soup. We're not all the same, but our evolutions all took very similar paths, even spread across the cosmos. Our brains developed at an exponential rate after the discovery of Nextorium. The increasingly complex chemical chain is present in 99.99% of the star system, and it specifically targets the brain growth in both size and synapses. It's a joy to observe the primitive planet discover this. The change is so rapid and immense, Within a few cycles, they are already capable of joining the Federation to become valuable assets. There is one system, out of the sheer cosmic randomness, that is absent of Nextorium. For thousands of cycles, we watch them flail about their planet in a miserable pit of disease, civil war, and planetary destruction. They are large creatures, although they aren't much taller than myself or my mate. Their minuscule heads look absolutely ridiculous perched atop their massive frame. Broad shoulders, wider than my head, two arms and two legs, each individually thicker than my whole body. It took them so long to make contact, we had little hope of them being useful additions. But who were we to turn away willing allies? It was also a slow and arduous task of integrating them into our fleets. But even with their history of violence and mental sluggishness, they proved to be excellent transporters. Many, many meetings were held behind closed doors to determine if it was ethical to allow them into battle. Our battle formations are more complex than the human brain itself, some involving phase shifts at the 900 hertz in multiple planes of motion while the FDL travel. They had shown a willingness to fight, and are always in good spirits in our formal meetings we're allowing them in, but in wartime procedures. It was deemed unethical, and we were relegating them to medical supply transport, which they happily accepted. Prior to our first contact, little was known about their means of galactic travel, and their propulsion systems were a mystery. Upon inspection, we found their FTL systems weren't antiquated by our standards. They were completely unheard of. They had somehow harnessed the power of incredibly unstable elements by tearing the atoms apart. After this discovery, it took them many more cycles to... Uh, 
perfect, smashing two atoms together to create even more energy. The Federation has known how sodas create energy since before the Terran Spanner was even formed, but they weren't stupid enough to try and stick it in a ship and shoot it across the galaxy. Our Federation ships were far more refined, sleek, fast, and all state-of-the-art in quantum drives. The weapon systems were top-notch as the drives, plasma cannons, and photon beams were almost unlimited range in ammunition. The human ships were robust, for sure, and to quote one of my good human friends, they built them like brick crap houses. Although they were just transport ships, they were all fitted with very rudimentary solid projectile cannons. And with this they developing planet, the first round of FTL ships were usually all the same. As cycles go by, the diversity of a fleet will increase. The humans had a small fleet of ten ships, and even small by developing planetoid standards. However, as I said, they were very good transporters, and we kept them under our wing transporting supplies from our capital planet to small local outposts. We kept new planets close to keep an eye on their development and keep them safe. Immediately, we realized their small armada would need to be retrofitted and redesigned. However, initial testing was disastrous. We decided it would be best to keep them in their interesting and somewhat dangerous ships for a time being. I worked with the humans while they docked multiple times, and as their fleet is small, ten ships manned by less than 500 a ship, I was able to get to know them very well. It was important to note that although their ships were a quarter of the size of our smallest cruiser, their crews had been even more minuscule compared to ours. Our cruisers had over 10,000 apiece, each crewman with a very specific purpose, and our neural net patching together a complex web of minds all working together on the fly to maintain the ship. To watch the Federation cruiser in action is a beautiful thing, gliding through the vast emptiness in perfect harmony with the fleet. The human ships was blunt and imposing, even as a relatively small size. It had sharp edges, dark metallic color, and an absence of any viewing ports beyond the cockpit gave it a sort of heavy-looking, even weightless environment. The angry oranges and red thrusters belched out far beyond its body as we found could not fly in close formation to them as it scorched our pristine ships. I rode in the flagship recently during the training exercises, and uh, it was one of the more terrifying experiences of my life. As the engines roared to life, the floor shook and rattled. I could feel my flesh shaking beneath my skin. My ears vibrated and rang, and as I watched their primitive monitors shake violently, the human showed no signs of concern. The ship felt as though it was simultaneously going to rattle apart under its own power, yet also take a class 5 phase cannon shot broadside and continue on. The humans had no shield capabilities yet, but the walls were thick, far too thick to be efficient for our fleet, but it almost felt safe in a way. They had large bulkheads between every compartment, able to seal off over 60% of the ship and still be functional. In an odd, rudimentary way, they were quite fascinating. During maintenance, I watched a crewman repairing a hydraulic ram for a bulkhead door. After a few moments of watching him reattach the hoses and wires, he watched as it closed halfway and then got stuck for some unforeseen reason. After more seconds, he grunts and grabs a very large wrench and hits it with the hydraulic ram with all his might. The door closed smoothly. He looked over at me with my mouth hanging open, smirked and said, Just needed a little percussive maintenance. I learned a lot about humans and the ways of force. The rest of the galaxy, Omniflesh included, all advanced so quickly that we never had to perform such a violent and physical way. 
Even if the Omniflesh thought terrible beasts they are, they use a variety of refined technology and weaponry to fight. A single battle with them could last a full cycle. Ornate, defensive patterns, flawless attack formations, all culminating in a various phase shifts and flank and disrupt the enemy. So many cycles have passed since anyone had an edge in the fight, and was until the day that we learned about the true brawn. What I am about to share with you is my recounting, an actual transcript of one of the most heroic battles that I have ever witnessed. The capital had always been protected by the best of our fleet, the newest, the strongest, and the smartest of our federation. The Omniflesh never dared to reach us there, until the reckoning. The Omniflesh had attacked several backwater systems in a coordinated dismantling of our outer ring of defenses, and we had never seen anything like it. At first, we thought it was a blitz harvest mass and resources for their uh, Leviathan-class destroyers. Yet, their dreadnoughts were already larger than our carriers, but we had more. The Leviathans had always been a rumored panic killer, but they lacked the resources as far as intelligence could tell. The systems that were attacked reported back massive fleets, harvester ships, and thousands of multiple dreadnoughts at all locations. We dispatched countless frigates, destroyers, and cruisers to eliminate the various threats across the system. It was a massacre. The battles lasted multiple cycles. It was the largest combined attack ever carried out by either side up to that point when eons of fighting. The humans were ready when willing to help out any way they could, so we told them to hold tight and be ready to receive massive amounts of medical supplies once the fighting died down. I've been told that the human sun and moon are a perfect distance apart so that they look the same size in their sky. When the moon phases in front of their star, it can be rocketed out. While most of our fleet were engaged in the outer ring, I experienced one on the capital planet. The attack on the outer rings wasn't a resource blitzer for the Leviathan, it was a distraction. The Leviathan was here. How they kept us hidden from anyone is beyond the scope of this understanding. As the Leviathan dropped out of its warp, the sky turned dark. The air around me stopped moving, and only a few seconds of chilling silence were had. Then our planetary defenses' sirens wailed. The terror welled up in me as I made my way to my ship. They wasted no time in their attack, immediately shredding through the ships in the port. For every one of our ships we were able to launch, another two couldn't even make the jump to light speed. They wanted to crush us, demoralize us, take our capital planet and turn our shining beacon of hope and safety into their twisted idea of power and rule. We jumped and redeployed into attack patterns in an attempt to fight off the monstrosity. Our complex formations were useless. We had to phase in and out so quickly that they could barely get any shots into the target. Their new cannons were fast, faster than anything that we'd ever come into contact with, but in point accurate and with seemingly no load time. Over the comms, we heard the crackle of the human's primitive transponder. Planetary defense, this is UNS George Taylor. Request order. We had no order for them. What could they possibly accomplish? They showed us maps and huddled together in dark side of one of our moons, observing the distance the Leviathan continued to tear us apart. The commanding officer on the ground troop gave the order, UNS George Taylor, you have no obligation. Repeat, no obligation. Proceed at own risk. Understood planetary defense. In my many cycles, on many different ships, I have never seen a ship connected to my neural network respond as fast as I saw those ten hunks of metal start moving. They had no face shift capabilities. They had no shields. 
and they still had projectile weapons. That did not deter them from converging on the Leviathan like gnats on a water buffalo that they swarmed, wildly firing hunks of metal whenever they could. Their signature on the Leviathan sensors must have been a minuscule, with no shielding and a simple angular hull design. They slipped in and out of the return fire. The comms were lighting up, trying to figure out what the flight paths and the formations. UNS George Taylor, please advise flight paths, please advise formations. What fricking flight paths? What the frick? God damn it. Jenkins, get the fricking railguns loaded with the uranium rounds. Son of a witch, this is that close. Sorry on last. Repeat, we need your flight paths. They are working as a viable offensive strategy. They can't seem to hit you constantly. Jesus frickin' crap, we don't have a goddamn flight path. Grab your goddamn stick and fly. I've heard stories about commands after the last line. The humans had no idea what they were doing, and it was working. Command's collective draw hit the floor, and the humans were running the table on the Leviathan. The George Taylor had contact with the rest of the human fleet, but at that time, command had only contact with George Taylor. They had started to take this, big hits and small cannons on the Leviathan, shrapnel floating everywhere. Battles were usually clean, but up until the ship was detonated. The human ships were losing entire midsections and littering space around the Leviathan, and yet they were still combat effective. The George Taylor took a massive broadside hit and started spewing out oxygen into the vacuum of space. Even then, she doubled back and put the side of the Leviathan with more projectiles, she hailed my ship after that large hit. Well, my boys have been hit pretty bad. Life support is gone. We're all in suits. We're also bleeding radiation throughout the ship. Understood, George Taylor. Sending containment. Hold tight. We broke from the action quickly, rendezvoused with the aiding ship safely behind our moon and released the containment pod. As it hovered over them, a soft glow enveloped the ship containing the life support they had left with returning to the bubble. Of the ten human ships, the George Taylor was out of commission, and the three others had fallen. I applauded their effort, but there really wasn't much more they could do other than be an annoyance while we laid into them with the heavy artillery. As the battle raged on, it was clear that the Omniflish initially wanted the planet preserved. Very little was being directed at the planet in the beginning. It became clear to them that they were not going to take the planet. With all the dreadnoughts preoccupied and the outer ring, they had no way to form a landing party. Their plan had been brash and foolhardy, thinking that they could storm the hard defenses and take victory off the planet, of all of which needed to be done rapidly, and our humans were doing their damnedest to make sure that that didn't happen. The Leviathan shook alive, and from its side, flashes of light sprang from the massive canyon down and its petty beast and a massive beam of rifle ascended from the underbelly. The beam rifle was as large as one of our cruisers. It gleamed in the light and we had fight on. Panic ripped across the deck. Command was silent. The firing had almost ceased across the entire battlefield as the monstrosity reared its ugly face. We knew what this was for. We knew what its purpose was for. They had accepted that they weren't taking the capital planet, but they weren't going to let us have it either. A thousand thoughts raced through my mind. Friends, family, our way of life would be forever changed. Wheezing and spluttering filled the comms. George Taylor, <coughs> making final approach. <sighs> Command orders, abort, abort. Negative, Come. <coughs> Fuel cell leaks rampant. No, no containment solution. Uh, overload cells. 
I watched the mangled George Taylor make a wide, determined path. The thrusters raged from the orange to red, and in a flash, they turned purple and white. The ship was tearing itself apart. Large pieces continued to flake off, and the few ports of the ship that were scorched and cracked, command attempted to reach them in vain. Their comms were disabled, and they were ignoring them. As she ripped across the bow, it was clear where they were headed. I watched the speck of fire-breathing George Taylor impact the barrel of the Leviathan. The explosion was magnificent. Shards of metal burst everywhere, crippling the imposing weapon. The initial explosion was nothing compared to what had happened next. As a large section of the barrel floated aimlessly away, we could all see that the aft section of the George Taylor buried halfway into the side of the Leviathan. Her obscenely thick armor had protected her enough to break through the outer hulls of the Leviathan after shedding its barrel. The thrusters were absolute spectacle. Her aft compensators were melting away and kept overloading the systems. The Omniflash must have been a complete loss. A tiny, unknown type of ship had currently buried itself in the underbelly after destroying its fleet's newest weapon. There was the slightest of pulses before it happened. The George Taylor's thrusters flickered out, only for a moment. They reignited for a fraction of a second in the most violent white mile I have ever seen before detonating in a monstrous display of carnage. Compared to the Leviathan, it was a small explosion. But with enough damage to the hull and a main gun crippled, they determined the best course of action would be to turn tail and run. The crater in the side spewed out molten metal and debris across the battlefield before they jumped. All our senses, shields, neural net training, everything, wasn't enough when we met this fresh hull. The remaining human fleet regrouped in port and the rest of the Federation ships. They were the last to arrive, limping together in a small group. We had cordoned off the entire bay for them. Their ships were battered, scarred, and most were spraying or leaking some sort of gas or liquid. They all exited the ships, converging around their new flagship of the UNS Thrasher and its captain. They were met with a thunderous applause, displays of ceremonial cannons fires raging through the magnesium rounds showing in the sky of silver fire. They stared at awe as we continued to applaud, yell, and cheer. Tears welled up in their eyes and the smiles broke across their faces. This minuscule planet, underdeveloped and wildly unprepared, was our savior. Memorials were built that day. After that battle, during the rebuilding of the human fleet, I was able to reconnect with many of my human friends on a much friendlier and appreciative terms. I had always liked them, but more as a funny neighborhood pet, never as an equal until that day. Their tactics were interesting to say the least, impossible to implement within the Federation formations, but they were always with us, always ready to fight, and never wavering in their courage and determination. During the debriefing on our war council spent an obscene amount of time with the humans trying to determine the actual plan they followed. The humans did their best to explain their formations and plight paths. As they were not neural net capable, they explained everything that had delved into a crapshow. Multiple times, even more troubling was the humans trying to explain the George Taylor's actions which ended the battle. Combat and effective ships were always retreated and protected to the fight another day. The human clearly did not follow the same procedure. Our finesse and meticulousness were staples to our battle plans, and at the end of the debrief approaching, we learned about the brawn of a brain. Captain, 
We're still trying to understand the logic behind the George Taylor's last fly plan. As brave and selfless as it was, would there have been a way to get the same results without the ship detonation? We have nothing but respect for your fleet, but it is our duty to try and understand. The captain sat relaxed, arms resting on his lap. He had a tired look on his face. I don't know, sometimes you can't think about it, you just hit the motherfrecker. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.